they are not already struggling to have well, it's a suite not a classroom it's your suite well, take it out and eat it we're not in a classroom you want to eat your suite eat your suite open it and eat it amen praise the lord they will if they are not already struggling to have a working relationship with God because mainly of the lack of obedience on our side and because we don't understand our role or the part that we play or we should play in our walk and relationship with the Lord. And that's the main reason why Christianity is not where it should be in the purposes and plans of God. Because number one, we're disobedient. We, we have not learned the way of the Spirit. And it becomes hard then for God to deal with us in a progressive manner. Today I want to show you several things that I think if you would understand it might change your mental orientation around Christianity and around God and Jesus. I look at the body of Christ today at large both uh, regionally and globally and there's one thing I see that is, that is strong and that is prevalent is the fact that God's people do not know the word of God. God's people are almost oblivious to God's word. You know, the Bible is there, but it is almost like a, a reference book when you need it and not composite as a part of your life. And that has led to why there's, there's high, you know, high levels of ignorance in the body of Christ. It's alarming. It's alarming. From the top, from the leadership, down into the congregation. And you see it in how we conduct our churches. You see it in how we uh, create church culture within uh, the different regions of Christianity. You come to Africa, Africa, Africa's gospel 
is infused with superstition. The Western uh, 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 gospel is infused with intellectualism and materialism. So the whole concept of the gospel is referenced or sourced or its outcome, its consequences must always have material uh, or intellectual consequences. So it is a gospel that God must and will bless you materially. And you come to Africa. Africa is all about demonization. You don't prosper because you're full of devils. You are poor because you are possessed. And all these, these, these cultural differences in, in our Christian world is alarming because we don't have a different Bible. We all have the same Bible. There are not diverse cultures in the kingdom. There is only one. There is only one. We may all stem from different cultures and ethnic groups and backgrounds, but when we come into the kingdom, it says the two shall be made one. There is neither Jew, there is neither... So the Gentile can come and propose their culture in Christianity. Just as the Jews can come and want to enforce their culture in Christianity. And it's what the church struggled with in the book of Acts. They had a hard time. Because the Jews said, no, 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 no. We must in implement Jewish customs for the Gentiles if they want to be Christ Christians. And that was wrong. Because it was, it was neither on the basis of those customs and cultures that they became Christians. The Jews didn't become Christians or belong to Christ because they observed the law. All came into Christ under one umbrella, and that is faith. So when you come into the kingdom, the, the challenge that, that, that becomes then a threat to Christian progress and Christian growth is the fact that we want to implement our customs and traditions and culture in Christendom. So this church will do this because they are predominantly Africans. This church will do this because predominantly they are Asians. There is not the Asian way or the African way of worshipping God. There is the spirit way. The Bible never said you worship God through Africanism or through Asianism. It says through the spirit. So these strongholds are what destroy the fundamentals of Christianity. And we adopt them unawares in churches, in churches, in churches. When there are holidays in, our, in a specific nation, a specific country or in that region, here in South Africa, all holidays that are celebrated in the world are celebrated in the church. 
Why? Why? You there, you always school uniform. Why must you celebrate that in the church, in the house of God? Why must, must, must June 16 activism be given preference or preferential value in the house of God? Talk about Heritage Day. Heritage Day, same thing. Why? Why are the customs and traditions of our cultures tainting the culture of God? It's because, number one, we are bored. We are bored because we are oblivious to the things of the kingdom. We are oblivious to the things of the world. For the last three years, I was, I was, I've been telling you about Christmas, right? I've been telling you about Christmas. Now, here's a, here's a simple question. Right? Simple. Does the world love Jesus? Does the world love Jesus? So when the whole world celebrates Christmas, could it be about Jesus? End of story. Why would the world that doesn't love Jesus celebrate his birth? Does it make sense? You don't even need to go to the other facts that exist. But parallel, eh, eh, do they go to church? But they celebrate Christmas. So why make that day about Jesus whom they hate and you join them? We've adopted paganism. Why? Because we have not yet understood the spirit who governs the church. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is not like organizations and businesses which are run and governed by men. The church is governed by spirits. The church as a whole is governed by the spirits of God and singular, individually governed by spirits. The church is like nations. God doesn't only entrust nations with men alone. They always have to be oversight, the oversight of spirits. So why bring into the very structure that was meant to, to, to separate you from where you come from. Why allow infiltration into the structure that was meant to deliver you? It's like Israel trying to implement the works or the traditions of Egypt into the promised land. No, in Egypt we did this. So here we must do this. Do you see where the church is? 
Do you see where the church is? And Jesus said it. He said, you have made the word of God of no effect because of your paradoxes, because of your traditions. And I'm not talking about traditions here. I'm just going somewhere. So the, the efficacy of the word is weakened. Churches are weak. Churches are weak. Churches are weak. Churches are weak. Do you know how the blood covenant between Jesus and his disciples were cut? My life for your life, your life for mine. It was the covenant of death. You enter into this thing. The only way you come out is through death. They knew it. If anybody wants to be my disciple, he said what? Let him deny. He didn't say let him follow me. Before you can follow, you must deal with He said let him deny himself. Take up his own cross. Then he can consider following me. It's because we don't know Jesus and we don't know the spirit of Jesus. So, in the absence of specific knowledge regarding Christ and his spirit and function in the church, the absence, we, in the absence of that, we adopt known traditions, our default mode. And the nice and Safara thought the same thing. Ah, one of, you know, maybe those were the deals they were cutting or they were used to dealing that way. No, no, no. Said, no we'll, we'll just, we'll just. <laughs> Unbeknownst to them, there was a spirit. He says, why has Satan deceived you to lie to the Holy Spirit? Immediately, everybody knew that those guys there, they are not just ruled by the apostle. There is a spirit operating there. Why isn't the church of Jesus feared? It's because the spirit is not involved. See, once the spirit is involved, nobody dares touches the church. Nobody dares speaks a word against the church. But anybody can say anything they like today about the church of Jesus Christ. It's because of us. That's what the Bible says. The, 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 the prophet Nathan said to, to, to David, he said, because you, you, have, you have created an occasion for the enemies of the Lord, to blaspheme. Let's look at something in the Bible. The governorship over 
churches are given to spirits, angelic spirits. Let's read chapter 16 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. See, we still think of the Spirit as, as lesser God. We, we, we may say, no, 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 no. But our perception of Him is still that of a lesser God. You know what Jesus said about the Father? You know what Jesus said when he walked the earth? He said, he said, my father is in heaven. And then he said, my father is in me. He said, my father is in heaven. And my father is in me. He made no distinction with regards to his parentage when he came to God the Father and God the Spirit. You have said that? So, God... The Spirit was as much His Father as God in heaven was. And toward the end of His ministry, He said something. He said, My Father is greater than I. At first, He said, My Father is greater than all. And then He said, My Father is greater than I. Jesus, Jesus said, My Father is greater than I. Are you greater than your father? In terms of nature, you are equal, right? But in terms of function, you are not. Right? Jesus said, his father, the spirit is greater than him. Is greater than him. Not in essence in positioning and in function so the role the place that i mean who made jesus lord who made jesus lord who anointed jesus into godship huh who anointed who anointed jesus into godship Was Jesus anointed into Godship? Yes. He was consecrated into the Godhead. Jesus was not in the Godhead. The word was. Who did that? Who made him Lord? So he said, my father is greater than I. Who made him the Christ? Who made him the Christ? God who? The Spirit. The Spirit. You see how we think about the Holy Spirit? We, we almost give him no place in the Godhead. No, God. No, the Father. He'll, 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 always, he'll come last. 
because we don't know he is the functionary of God the spirit of God he is the functionary of God and in terms of function of function he is at the head he's number one both the father both the son needs him Notice, he is the only one who is in both of them. They are not in him. He is inside God. He is inside the Son. Who is inside him? The Spirit of God. Simple, simple. Can the body without the Spirit function? It can't function. The body without the spirit can't. It tells you something. The entire. I'll show you something about the spirit. All right. I'll show you something. Let's read. Let's read. Uh, uh, what did I say? Matthew. Let's read Matthew. Matthew 16. Uh, da ba What weakens a church? I'll show you. What weakens a church? You there? Let's read. Uh, chapter 16, verse number. Let's read from verse 13 so that we can get the, 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 the context. Let's read, please. <laughs> Mm. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, it started, who am I? And, and it is not the first time that Jesus is recognized as the Christ. You read John chapter 2. Andrew said to, Phil, to Peter, we have found the Christ. Nathaniel said the same thing, you are the son of God. Right? So it's not the first time. And it's not the first time Peter said it to Jesus. But now it was different. Now Jesus is asking, who do you say that I am? Why is the Lord asking such a question? The other verses tell us the reason. 
The other verses tell us the reason. Why do you ask them who do? Do they not know you? How they've been with you so long, you've told them, you've shown them things. Do they not know that you are the Christ? And it's not that, the, because they were following him. Be, oh, John chapter 2. John 2. They were following him because he was the Christ. <laughs> okay, sharp. Uh, John, John 2, and then we come, we go back there. Okay, no, one. Let's read one. Let's read verse 40. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 40. One of the two disciples who heard John's words and began to follow Jesus was a man named Andrew. So, remember, two, two, two of John the Baptist's disciples, after the baptism, followed Jesus, right? And then Jesus asked them, hey, what do you want? The guy said, no, we want to, we want to know where you are staying. They didn't want to know where he was staying. They wanted to follow him because John had been telling them about the Christ. This is how we started. Two of them started following them. John had been telling them about the Christ and they were there when John said, this is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. So from John, they had knowledge of Jesus Christ and also from the experience and the river Jordan. So two of them, Andrew was there. Andrew now was Simon Peter's brother. He was a servant of a disciple of John the Baptist. Now he's turning leaf from John and he's following Jesus. The next day, Andrew wakes up. Right? Andrew wakes up. Now I want to show you the reason why they were following him. In the, I'm talking about the core group. The core group, not the 70. I'm talking about the core group. One of the two disciples heard John's word and began, began to follow Jesus was a man named... One of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Christ. You see, you see that? You see that? We have found her. And he brought him to Jesus. So Andrew took Peter to Jesus. And well, Jesus looked at him. He said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called what? A stone. So this is not the first time Jesus is going to change Peter's name. And Peter knew this is the Christ. So when Jesus said, How? Oh, now flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Yeah, it's not the first time he's telling you this. And it's not the first time you are changing his name. You changed his name the first day you met him. What's going on here? Do you see that? You, you see that, right? Let's go back. And they've been following him for a while here. So now Jesus is saying, who, who, who do you say that I am? Why is Jesus interested? Jesus, does Jesus care about what people say about him? <laughs> now, why all of a sudden you, you care? 
All of a sudden, you care. You care about what people are saying about you. Why? Jesus is a builder. Jesus is a builder. He is a builder. Jesus is a builder. And with every builder, you need stone to build. You need, you need stone to build. So he's asking them, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are, you are, the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father in heaven. So Jesus was more concerned about what? Was more concerned about the revelation of himself as to what people were saying about him. So he's saying that this is a revelation, Peter. This is a revelation, Simon. Bar John. And notice when he says you are Simon, Bar John, he refers to him by the name that he had before. But he had changed it. He was now Kephas. Now he's referring. No, this is a revelation. And then he says what? And then he says what? And I also say that you are. That you are. Yep. And on this. And on this. And on this. And on this, notice Jesus, notice Jesus, notice Jesus. He says, you are Peter, right? And on this, hmm. look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. We're at 18 now, we're at 18 now, 16, 18, Matthew 16, 18. Look at it. And you are, and on this, you are, and on this, Peter is what? Rock, right? Peter is rock. You are Peter. And on this, notice, Peter is Petros. Rock is Petras. Peter is a personalized form of Petras. So you are Peter. But he doesn't give persona to the rock. He is not saying the rock is Peter. He is saying that Peter is, but this rock is not Peter. Do you understand? He didn't say you are Peter and on you, I will build my church. No, he said you are Peter. Yes, meaning the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, one interpretation may throw you off because you may think, oh, the entire church is built on Peter. Right? Like what the Roman Catholics are saying, Peter was their first pope. They say he's the founder of the... How is that so? Is that what Jesus is saying? No. You are Peter. Remember I said Jesus is a builder. He needs stone to build. You are Peter, and on this rock, what rock? On 
this you know jesus is the rock right the rock of the ages <laughs> you, you know that right jesus is the rock of the ages right so as he's saying i will build you are peter and on this rock what what is what are you saying you are you are petra right you are petros ne? and on petra i will build my so he's not saying on petros again saying petra now so definitely he's not referring to peter he's not going to build his church on a man he's going to build his church on the rock what is the rock the rock the rock jesus is referring to is the revelation of who he was you are christ the son of god on that revelation i build my church so jesus built his church upon what revelation so a church without a revelation is a weak church is a vulnerable church because it is there here listen bible quotations because jesus defines revelation as that which comes from the father again says my father in heaven has revealed this to you so revelation is that which proceeds knowledge that proceeds from god so he says the knowledge that proceeds from god was concerning who jesus was was what was the foundation upon which he will build the church so the foundation of the church is that christ is the son of god that's the foundation upon which every church is built upon christ is the son of the living god no oh you see here's what you're thinking right you're thinking christ is the son of god that means christ is born of god no 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 that's not the communication here with regards to the son of god son of god does not mean god's son son of god is a title is the title here is referring to the title of god the father god okay 28 28 matthew okay not 28 28 28 somewhere matthew 28 we'll go we'll come back there because i want to show you something we there verse 20 verse 19 and jesus came and spoke to them saying all of the what all what all what all what all what has been in and on who gave him the authority talk to me who gave him the authority The father 
right? Which father? Uh, okay. All right. Wait. Wait. So, when you want, when when you when you think about the father, the father never works. The father does not do anything. He has not done anything. He has never done anything. The only thing the father has done is give birth to Jesus. The, the father has never done anything. Okay. Revelations 4. Don't go there. Revelations 4. When John is in heaven, in the throne room, right? When he's in the throne room, what does he see? He sees a picture of a man, right? I mean, the form of a throne and one sitting with the form of man, Jasper, and all those things. Car was not was he moving? There were lightning, thunderings, all those things coming out from the throne. But that one on the throne was he moving? He wasn't moving. That guy only spoke twice in the book of Revelation. Do you know that? Twice in the book of Revelation. In fact, not twice, once he spoke in the book of Revelation. You know that? You know where, where it was where he spoke? Once in the book of Revelation, the one on the throne spoke. When I mean twice, I mean he was active twice. In chapter 5, with the scroll in his hand. It was just in his hand. And right up into chapter 20, when you are saying, all things are now become new. So God, really the Father, doesn't really do much. So when you think about a father, think about the active one, right? The spirit of God. Okay? The spirit of? Yeah. So I said, who gave Jesus authority? And give, right? And we all agree is the father, right? But not, technically yes, but I'll show you. Revelations. Did I tell you what revelations? Revelation. Did I mention? Okay. Revelation chapter five. All this is not where I'm heading. Eh? Remember, our story is in. This is just to navigate our way through. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. me, me. Who gave him? You, there, you ready? Okay. Let's read. And I, verse 6, and I looked and behold in the midst of the and of the four living and in the midst of the stood a as though it had been now, now, read here. Having, read there, read there, read there. Having, 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 having what? Seven horns. Seven horns. What are horns symbolic of in the Bible? Yeah, what? Horns. Everywhere you read in the Bible about horns, you read about powers. 
So this lamb, this lamb had seven horns, right? Seven horns and seven eyes. What a weird looking lamb, right? So seven horns here is symbolic of perfect authority. That's what he's talking about there. Perfect authority, not just all authority, but perfect authority, perfect power. So the lamb has seven, seven horns and seven eyes, right? Seven horns and seven eyes. Listen to what the Bible says. Having seven horns and seven eyes, read. Where read, 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 read there, which are? Says the seven horns and the seven eyes are what? Wow. Wow. The seven horns and the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. Read there. Wait, wait, wait. Sent out to all the earth. When did this happen? Because he says, the seven spirits of God, which are the seven horns and the seven eyes, are sent out into all the earth when Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus was glorified. So the authority, the all authority is talking about is the seven spirits of God. Because the Bible says, these seven horns and these seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. Just like the seven lamps before the throne are the seven spirits of God. Do, do you see that? Do you see that? So he says, all authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. By who? There. The seven horns and the seven eyes. Let's go back. You there? 28. So, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on by the seven horns and the seven eyes. What does the horns represent? I said power. The eyes, perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom. See that? So the lamb, now notice, notice how the lamb got access to this. Remember, before, before this, before this, this time, Jesus didn't have all authority and all power. It was given to him after. That's why even when you look at the lamb there, it was a lamb that was slain. You see that? It was a lamb that was slain. So there was a process he had to go into. Remember the process of obedience, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but came in the likeness of man and he humbled himself even to the point of death. Therefore, on account of what he did, he was raised to the pinnacles of authority. So the Holy Spirit is a gift, but not the seven spirits. The seven spirits are a reward. Not a story, another day. So, all authority, go therefore and make disciples of all 
nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the and of the and of the in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the Son there is what is the title of God. It's not just is a no, is a title of God. So when he said, I will build my church on this rock is that Jesus is God. Remember, in John chapter, I think it's chapter 8 or 10, when they wanted to stone him? Remember? When they wanted to stone him and he asked them, on which thing are you stoning? He said, no, because you make yourself equal with God, saying you are the son of God. So the Jews understood that the terminology son of God was a very heavy terminology. That's why Jesus even said, but you, it is written, you are all gods. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a terminology that associates with the title in the Godship. Follow me? So he says, the foundation of the church is on the revelation that Jesus, having come with flesh and blood, is the Son of God. He is God. So the rock upon which the church is built the revelation upon which the church is built is that jesus is the son of god wow wow okay and then he says i will build my church okay let's go back there matthew 16. Are you there? And on this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, this is strange. This is, this is strange. Because here he's revealing the purpose for why he builds the church. He's not building the church for a spiritual time of ecstasy. He says, I will build my church and then immediately he links it with the powers of hell this is telling us something that up until that time the powers of hell were prevalent the gates of hell were prevalent in the earth so there was certain freedom that satan had a certain jurisdiction that satan had in which he could maneuver manipulate and cause havoc but Jesus is saying, I will build my church. I like this translation. Let me read you this translation. TPT. Uh, Verse 18. And I will give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock on which I will build my church. My legislative assembly. So, the church is actually the legislator of the kingdom okay let me help you maybe i don't know if you know do you know courts don't make laws courts do not make laws are, are you following me courts do, do not the people that make laws are those who you elect they are called legislators those are the ones that write law 
those are the ones that write policy. So, so a bill or a policy, once it passes through all these structures, finally becomes law. So the people whom you elect are the ones that write law. The courts are there to uphold the law. So the legislators can write laws which are unjust. And the courts must uphold them. That's why after what he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Well, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. He's telling you now that heaven will now do what you do. Why? Because the church has become the legislature of heaven. So what you permit is permitted by heaven. Even though it may be unjust or wrong. It, it's strange, huh? It's, it's politically, that's what happens. For instance, you heard three months back, uh, he signed a bill, uh, President Ramaphosa, right? About same-sex marriages is now a law, right? And pastors and uh, home affairs officials must officiate. It is passed into law, right? Is that a just law? Yeah? Will God come down and stop it? The only way God will come down is judgment day. But is it permitted by heaven? Yes. It's permitted. God doesn't have to agree with something in order to give it permission. He didn't agree with Israel that they should have a king. But he permitted them to have one. So, let's leave those. So, the church is God's legislature on earth. And Jesus says, notice, this is strange. I want you to see this because this will make you understand why it is so hard, so tough, so challenging to be a Christian. And why this is no joke? He says, and on the bedrock on the bed, bedrock foundation on which I'll build my church, my legislative, my legislative assembly, and the power of death or the powers of hell will not be able to overpower it. So Jesus is already is already implying that there is a power in the earth. There is a power existing in the earth, mobilized in the earth. Because if you read in the Bible, gates are normally referred to as the heads or those who are at the head of leadership. They are called gates. So he's actually referring to the powers of hell. So he says the powers of hell will not prevail, will not overpower it. Now, here's the strange thing. Why does he connect the building of the church, the building of his church to the powers of hell? Churches are not there to help people. Churches are created by Jesus to facilitate an army, to mobilize an army 
of legislative believers to carry out the authority of Christ in the earth against the enemy. We are not alone. We are not alone. On earth, there are two races that exist. It is the human race and the demonic race. I'm talking about the habitation. Angels don't live on earth. Their habitation is not on earth. But there is a race, there is a class of beings that the Bible says left their estate. They left their estate and migrated to here. So when Jesus is talking about the powers of hell, he's talking about the aliens that have arrived, whose primary agenda is to supplant and destroy humanity. Look at Genesis chapter 6. God wasn't just destroying humans. So this time, God will not repeat Genesis chapter 6 because he already has a body of people that can deal with what was destroying the people and placing them into deep state of violence and evil. The church. The church is what's preventing God from destroying the world today. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. You are what preserves the earth today. That's why if the church leaves, this whole world in a short period of time will come to destruction. And in nations where destruction is prevalent is because the stature of the church, the voice of the church has been weakened. We don't start churches because we feel like it. You start the church because you feel like it. You will see what happens in that church. A church is a spiritual establishment localized on earth to deal with spiritual traffic. <laughs> Paul says, and we know that we must enter into the kingdom of God with much persecution and trials and tribulation. And no one will inherit the kingdom. He says, no flesh and blood. In other words, something must happen to you. If you're going to inherit the powers, the benefits, the resources of the kingdom, something must happen. And you see, that's why you're looking at me like you're looking to, at some, you know. It's because you've been indoctrinated all your life that churches are about singing, churches are about worshipping God, churches are there just to make you feel good. subdue what must adam subdue if there's nothing in rebellion in creation god said to adam subdue have dominion why does he why does he talk in such terminologies because these are terminologies that you use when you empower somebody against a rebellious entity 
So he says they have dominion over there. So the fish of the sea were rebellious. That's why sharks are eating humans. It's rebellion because the ecosystem, the ecology, pre-fall has not been like that. I will build my church and the gates the powers of hell shall not prevail the powers of hell shall not prevail and I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loose You're a legislator. So he builds his church to deal. With the powers of darkness. Listen, you are at war. You've been, you see, you have entered. Listen, 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 listen. Life outside of Christianity is peace. Life inside Christianity is warfare. This is a battleground. Listen, Satan doesn't hate <sighs> Revelations. Chapter 12. And then I want to show you something. Verse 17. You there? Read, please. Who is he warring with? Who is at warfare with? With the world. Who is at war with? He said, what those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So anybody who has the testimony of Jesus Christ, who keeps the commandments of God, is at war with the devil. That's how you signed up. That's how you enlisted into this war. Now, for Satan to keep the church, to keep the church weak, you know what must prevail in that church, in that local, uh, local ignorance? The lack of revelation. The lack of revelation is the destruction of many churches. Why? No, 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 no. We, we, must, we must adapt. We must, we, must, we must be relatable to the world. Do you exist for that? Yeah, we can't just come to church, pray, 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 hear the word, 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 and just leave. No, we must have different things. We must have movie nights. Whole churches, movie nights. Game nights. As a church, 
as a church. Holy Spirit's Tabernacle presents movie night. Holy Spirit's Tabernacle presents game night. Void of the Spirit. You think the Spirit of God is playing games? You think the Spirit of God is here just to play games to chill? And that's why the church has no influence. No, read your Bible. This is not, this is not, I'm not reading you off of something that's not in your Bible. It's the Bible that I'm, I'm telling you about. The void of the Spirit. And here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. If the activity of the Spirit is minimal in a church or minimal in a minister, the minister may read the Bible, he will never see truth. The Bible says the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that quickens. It's the spirit that quickens. Jesus <laughs> said, where shall we go? From you are words of life. If there are words of life, there are words of death. Lalo, you are Paul said it. He said, who has, who has bewitched you? Okay, Galatians. Let's read. Says, I'm surprised you have turned away so quickly from the gospel. I've been going to church but life is not coming alright it's because you are cursed Paul says anybody that comes to you preaching another gospel than that which we have presented to you he said let them be accursed and I say it again let them be accursed so a curse is accompanied by what? false revelation false truth false knowledge So if you hear another gospel, then that would you, he says, let them, they are accursed. It's a spiritual law. And you can see some Christians. You can see, you can just, you look at them. You can see, oh Lord Jesus. There's only, there are no five gospels, there's one. It's there in chapter 1. And give chapter 1 of Galatians. No, I'm talking about the bewitching. Yeah? Okay, must I read it to you? I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel or from heaven, Preach another gospel to you than that what we have preached to you. Let it be accursed. And we have said before, now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. 
For do I not persuade men of God? Do I see to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a born servant of Christ. Some Christians, you must just tell them, you and your pastor, and you, you are just cursed. You are preaching a wrong gospel. Why are Christians afraid of confrontation? The, the, we are the weakest. Christians are afraid of confrontation. Christ, Christians, oh, they are afraid of it. Christians, confrontation. I don't say. The devil is in your backyard. Why don't you start talking in that tune? The devil is in your backyard. Then let's go to Chris's one. Verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Oh man, that you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed, among whom he was crucified. You see that? You see that? You see that? How how Satan ensures that 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 revelation in churches dwindle? He bewitches them by deceiving them from the truth. A church is bewitched, mate. When they're chilling inside God's house, watching a movie, that church is bewitched. God's house. God's house. See, it's different from like, hey, after church, let's go chill at my place. That's a different. Now you are saying the church. <laughs> my God. Woo! Something is working in that church. But you can be assured it's not the spirit. Hip hop night. <laughs> Dance night, fashion night. Mm. See, we are deviating from our purpose, and Satan likes it because then the gates of hell overpower us. He can enter into a region, he can enter into a nation because the church day is sleeping and advance promiscuous laws, diabolic laws, laws that hinder the gospel from spreading, laws that keep the gospel at one place. Why? Sleeping child, you don't know he's at war. Sorry, Paul. Don't know he's at war. Just the, the gates of hell. What do you think? The gate of hell shall not prevail. If you are sleeping, what happens? And why is the church sleeping? So you see, there is a relationship that the church must have with the spirit or to the spirit. The spirit is the boss of the church. The spirit is the father of the church. It is the spirit that will marry the church in Christ. And Jesus knows it. Revelations chapter 1. 
show you. You there? Amen. So, John says he's in the spirit realm right on the Lord's day. And then John turns because he heard a voice. So when he turns, he sees seven lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, he sees one like the Son of God and he describes it. And then he says, on, in his right hand, there were seven stars. So there's the lampstands, seven lampstands before him, right? And on his right hand, there were seven stars. So John is seeing a mystery. John doesn't know yet, but he will be told later that you are seeing a mystery. I am showing you a mystery. I'm revealing a mystery to you. Let's read. And when I saw him, I fell at his right hand as, I mean, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forever. Right. If Jesus, let, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you a secret. If Jesus has, has never told you to write anything in your life, if he has never told you to write anything in your life, uh, will you listen to me? If Jesus has never told you to write anything in your life, you are not ready for the mysteries of heaven. Not ready. They're not ready for the mysteries of the spirit. You see, okay, let's leave it. <laughs> you would be shocked what would happen to you. You would be shocked what would happen to you every time of, you see, He says, write. Now I want you to write the things you have seen, what is and what will. And what, yes, what will be after the things that are revealed to you. The mystery. So it's a mystery. You see that? He said, the mystery of the. Read, please. Yep. Wow. So the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand. Now here, here's, here's, a, here's a, a strange thing. So John fell at his feet dead, right? He saw him holding seven stars, right? He touched him with the same right hand that he was holding seven stars. What happened to the seven stars when he was touching him? Where did they go? Think about that. He, he's holding seven stars. He sees him holding seven stars. After that, he falls. Right? Jesus goes to him with his right hand. Where were the seven stars? What the seven stars 
Where were they? Was he holding them or were they in his hand? Because he touched him with the same hand that he was holding the seven stars. So the question is, where were the seven stars when he was touching him? Did they evaporate or disappear? So when Jesus says, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, not on my right hand. Are you understanding now? So the seven stars are almost like implants. They are in his hand, not on it. What did you think? See, there are many things you will miss about the word of God if the spirit of God is not helping you. You see, when it comes to God, you don't know nothing. When it comes to the spirit, you don't know nothing. So he says, they were in my, so they were imprinted. Do you know do you know that with every single child and servant of God, every single child and servant of God, God has imprinted their names in his hand. Do you know it? Do you? What is tattoos? <laughs> That's what the Bible is not me. That's what the Bible says, not me. Praise the Lord. Not me is the Bible. Praise the Lord. It's not me is the Bible. It's oh. Yeah, it's, the, it's not me. It's, your, it's the Bible. So you there? No. You there? No. Where I left you? Where did I leave you? Yeah. Yeah, I left you. I left that one. Cause. Yeah, I left. No, I I know the Isaiah one. I, I'm just saying I left it. Because you know people. So he says, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are what? Now, now wait. Wait. Is Jesus a trickster? Is Jesus a trickster? He's not a trickster, right? So if he wants to tell you something, he will tell it to you as he wants you to understand it, right? So there, he says what? The seven stars are seven. The seven angels. Are angels men? The spirits, right? The spirits. So when he says, these are the, the seven angels of, of the seven churches. 
These are seven angels of the seven churches. He's not talking about the pastors of the church. He's not talking about the pastors of a church. He's talking about what? The angels of the church. Because what he's saying is coherent or is aligning with what is, was said in Revelation chapter 12, right? With a third of the stars. Later, described as what? Satan's angels. So they can be men, right? So the, the Bible has consistency. Are you listening to me? The Bible has consistency. Star can mean angel for one and then mean something for another. There has to be a consistency. Right? So Jesus says what? Says these are the seven angels of the seven churches. And he says the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So the angels of the seven churches and the seven churches strange it's a mystery and jesus let me break down the book of revelation for you the book of revelation is only about two things do you know that do you know that the book of revelation is about only two things the central theme about revelations is only two things two things do you know huh you don't know it's about Number one, it's about the message of the Spirit to the churches. Number two, is about the scroll. That's all Revelation is about. It's about God's message, the Spirit's message to the church, and the scroll that the Lamb broke with the seven seals. That's all. And the book in and of itself is an uncompleted. It was left as it was. So when you look at Revelations, you must split it into two sections. Chapter 1 to chapter 3. Chapter 5 to the rest. Because from chapter 5 onwards, that's where things begin. Right? And when you read, especially the first section of that, I want you to notice every single place where Jesus is referring to the spirit he's telling the church to listen and not just everyone in the church but he that has ears because he knows that even though the, the spirit is speaking and notice he does not say let him hear what the spirit was saying he's saying to the churches that means that message is applicable for the church of Jesus Christ in every generation. So there he might be talking to seven churches, but he's actually talking to what? He's actually talking to the entire church. And he's telling every church, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Meaning or implying that what he has been saying from chapter 1 to chapter 3 is not really him, is the Spirit. Oh, is it? We must qualify it, right? Let's qualify it. Acts. Because Jesus, after, even, even, even before he was, before he died, never spoke of his own accord. I speak what I hear. So when Jesus spoke, it was not him speaking. 
It, it, it's like, it's like, it's like who, who, who do they call? Uh, 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 Ezekiel. It says, I speak as I was commanded. So he's a, he's a parrot, sort of. He's speaking what he's hearing. Are you following? So, after ascension, it's more explicit. Because the Bible clearly tells us how he was speaking to them. Acts chapter 1. So you can't hear Jesus unless you hear the Spirit. Let's read. Are we there? Okay. Verse 2. Until the day which he was yeah did, did, did after he through he through had given so he was speaking to them by the spirit he was speaking to them through the spirit because the spirit is really the only one from the Godhead we can clearly hear you can't hear Jesus. You can't hear the Father. When the Father speaks, it's like thunder. It's like lightning. When Jesus speaks, it's like the sound of many waters. You can't hear them. The only one you can only hear is the Spirit. So he says, he that has an ear, he gives the messages, but he's letting you know that these messages are not from me. You are seeing me, but this is not me talking. It's the Spirit. And why does Jesus do that? Jesus does that because Jesus is not really authorized to function on earth anymore without the Spirit. I'm just trying to show you the structure and the order with which Jesus functions with regards to his church. He doesn't take the credit for what has been said. He said, no, listen to the Spirit. Seven times he says, listen to the Spirit. Because on earth, he does not have the jurisdiction over the church without the Spirit. So everything he does in the church, he's going to have it, have to do it through the Spirit. So he will need the Spirit to speak. He will need the Spirit to appear. He will need the Spirit to manifest. Because now the church is governed solely by the Spirit. Remember, he is the seven spirits that are sent where? In the earth. So the governorship of the spirit is on earth. The sun rules from the heavens, the spirit from the earth. So he keeps telling the church, hear what the spirit is saying. Hear what the spirit is saying. Hear what the spirit is saying. Because it is what the spirit is saying to the church that will help the church progress. The destiny of all churches, the destiny of the entire church, hinges on the Spirit and what He has to say. And many in the church are not willing to hear what the Spirit has to say because it's not always pleasant. Sometimes He's threatening, I will kill you. Sometimes He's warning, I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Sometimes he's admonishing, hold fast to what you have till I come and see that no man takes your crown. 
And sometimes he's commanding, overcome. And I will give. So the spirit is there to help us. To help us do what? Help us enforce the victory of Christ over the forces of life. Because it's not just the devil who is your enemy. It's your own self. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Jude. Jude. So whether me and you realize it or not, we need the spirit. If, if you're going to be a fruitful functionary in the church, <laughs> alone you can't. You are joking, you can't. That's what the Bible says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says this, I mean 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says the spirit expressly says, some shall depart from the faith. Now what brought you to the faith was the spirit. The only thing that can remove you from the faith is also his spirit. <laughs> yeah. Men are conduits of spiritual activity. You attract spiritual activity to your life. And that spiritual activity determines really the flow of life. Woo! So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, it is one thing if, if, you, if you can really, really grasp the concept of the spirit. Oh, you are made. In life you are made. Because the only way you can win is if you understand. Possibly we are not ignorant of the devices of our enemy. The only way you win is if you understand the operations of your enemy. That's the only way you win. Spiritual warfare or warfare in general is war not, not on the battlefield but on intelligence. <laughs> on intelligence. To know where your enemy will be positioned and what specific that intel it takes intelligence. And the intelligence that the Christian requires the intelligence of the spirit. Let's read, please. I said Jude, right? Okay, yeah. Jude. Thank you, Lord. Jude chapter number one. There's only one Jude, okay. Verse 17. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you 
that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk who would walk according to their own ungodly their own ungodly lusts right these are sensual or carnal persons who do what cause not having the spirits not having the spirit so he says these they walk no, notice how they are governed it says according to their own godly lusts carnal persons not being governed by the spirit so he's telling you he's characterizing a life without the spirit he's saying you cannot have the spirit and not be governed if you have the spirit you must be governed because the spirit is not the he's not a janitor do you understand he doesn't come in the house and becomes now the waiter no he comes in to take over So he's saying, the apostles told you about those who will come mocking. He says, these are carnal kind of persons causing divisions everywhere. No, if you read the whole thing, it says, not obeying authority, not obeying dignitaries, perverting the grace of God. Why? Having not the Spirit. You see, if you have the spirit, you don't have the option, the luxury of one who does not have the spirit. If you have the spirit, you can't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to live in America. Oh, on, whose, on whose instruction are you going to live in America? So you can see, in Christianity, we are characterized by those governed by the Spirit and those governed by the flesh. Those who are ungoverned by the Spirit will live a life characterized by what? The flesh, carnality, sensualism. Is not having this, not having, not having this not having the spirit imagine not having the spirit they don't have the spirit don't live adamically you live adamically you'll die you know what it is to live adamically ungoverned That's what it is to live a dummy, like Saul. All those who have the spirit are under his jurisdiction, his power, his authority. They should live as such. That's where Christianity becomes meaningful. Because you don't act of your own accord. Because he himself is not acting of his own accord. Says he will not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he shall speak. So you should emulate 
the patterns of the spirit. You do what he says. You say what he says. And for as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. That means there are those who are not led by the spirit. You are not a son of God. You may be by birth here. Yeah. By birth you are technon, yeah. It ends there. Maybe the highest you reach is Nepios. But if you're going to be hewers or hewers of God, and if you're going to enter into the adoption of sonhood and sonship, there has to be a leading. It says those that are led, that means you are a follower. And always, always the spirit's reference in dealing with you is what? The thing that Jesus built, the church. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the world. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to organizations, to the churches. To the churches. To the churches. So every church has a responsibility to hear what the Spirit is. Not said, say, now, today, now. But you can't hear him if you're not in the church. See that? So the government of heaven will always work within the infrastructure of the church. The built ones. Satan knows if, he, if he's going to disrupt communication between heaven and the legislator, what must happen? He must bring in what? Perversity. Decep deception. Deception. Deception is the number one most effective strategy of the enemy. The first pristine humans fell because of deception. And the last body of people will fall because of deception. What is deception? Perversion of truth. Perversion of knowledge. The twisting of truth. The twisting of knowledge. That's deception. And my brothers and my sister, that spirit is out. That spirit, now more than ever, is operational. What do you think you must come to church for? What do you think you must belong to a church for? What do, what do you think is about? It's about the preservation of your soul. That's why you can't join an online church. You won't survive. Because that is not the system of heaven. The system, the church is called the ecclesia. It's an assembly that congregates. We will not congregate in heaven tele, uh, uh, telepathically or, or, or wirelessly, virtually. The strength, the power of the church 
is in congregation, is in assembly. Hebrews. If we're going to see outflowings of the Spirit of God, outpourings of the Spirit of God, there must be a prioritization of assembly. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So a true church is a church where not man is talking. You, they see Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the one talking to the church. But it's actually the Spirit. You see the man, but it's the Spirit. You hear the Spirit. You see the woman, but you hear the Spirit. That's why destinies are lost in churches. Lives are destroyed in churches. More than any other place. You don't hear of life being destroyed at your workplace. <laughs> Do you hear of, of your lives being destroyed at your work, where you work? Oh, my life was destroyed working there. <laughs> you enter a church, my God, my life was messed up. Why? Spirits are involved. Spirits are involved. Your job is never destroyed. The only time your job will destroy is the fire. And they threat you without a package, recompensation package. But that means if churches are, are, are places where people's lives can be destroyed, potentially, that means they can only be built. They can also be built. You understand that? They can also be built. And that is where really God intends to build our lives from. The church doesn't own online. Doesn't own the, the facilities that control the traffic on the internet. The church doesn't. Satan does. Satan and his folks does. Google can just decide we're switching off. Now, do you you don't even know who owns the internet? I'm talking about the internet. Not Google. The internet. Google is not the internet. The internet. You don't even know. Three years back, America gave signed off signed off power of controllership of the internet to an organization an organization that is affiliated well, let's not even talk about that <laughs> and you do because because you, you're blind you're blind because they tell you they just tell you no you, you just meet online use facebook does your grandfather own Facebook? Facebook that is censoring people left, right, and center now. YouTube, just yet, just this week, came out a declaratory statement. They effectively said the US elections are over. Biden has won. He has been elected. Anybody that speaks on the contrary will take down the video. 
They say we are going to take down every video in a statement now. Trump is, the church is next. Yeah, we've been hearing Jesus as king. It's enough now. We'll send, and they've already started. Yeah, we'll go on YouTube. Is YouTube your father? Does your father own YouTube? We'll stream online. Online, a country just cuts, it just cuts its, its internet. You, you saw it during the lockdown, right? And then what did they say? They said, they, no, a pipe under sea was broken, supplying internet uh, into South Africa. <laughs> when it's convenient for them, it's breaking. How You building by yourself. Does it go on load shedding? Why does an OSCOM go on load shedding itself? Why? It's because the church has handed power to men. Power to governments. We have not the spirit. We have not the spirit. Hey. Mm. Hey, hey. I said what? Hebrews, okay. Chapter 10. See, Satan knows. Satan knows that as the cup, do you know, we, we don't have more than 20 years until rapture. 20 years, even 20 years, I'm exaggerating. Do you know that? Why do you think they are revving up their their plans. What, why do you think they are revving up their plans? How many, for how many years have, been, have they been doing research for HIV? Yeah? For, for how many years? For how many years have they been doing research for HIV? Since the 1980s, right? Was discovered then. So over 40, 80 years. How many years they've been doing research for cancer? Over 100 years. Have they found any vaccine? Any cure? Any help? How long did it take them to create a vaccine for a 98% recovery rate pandemic? Less than a year. Less than a year for something that 98 people percent of the population recovers from it takes them less than a year how how convenient how ironic how ironic and who's telling us all this all this crap who's telling us all this crap the ceo of the world health organization he was fired as a minister of health in Ethiopia, 
for shenanigans in his health in the health sector. And who has a controlling state? A controlling state? None other than the Bill and Melinda Foundation? How are they rich? How are they powerful? And Australia just tested its thing. Hodano. And it gave people HIV. They said we are cancelling this thing. No more vaccine problem. For a 98% recovery rate, why do they want to inject us? And now they are pushing it to become mandatory that you will not be allowed to work, not be allowed on an airplane, not be allowed to do anything. And it, it, does that sound? Does that sound? Does that sound familiar? They are prepping your minds. You will not get on a plane until you have a certificate that you have been vaccinated a vaccine that you must also buy isn't that isn't that familiar the activities that are happening now are forerunners or foretastes of what is soon to take place and guess who's chilling the church we are chillers we're just, we're just chilling why it's because when things like this in our world happen we don't go into our closet and shut out and sit down and say spirit what is happening lord what's going on here what is happening what is happening we don't it's the last days and you know what the Bible says? He that receives the mark of the beast shall have no what? No rest, day or night. Yeah, it's just a vaccine. Manor injector, fellas. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. Because if you can do what they are. Requesting from you now, you'll do it in a few years. You'll do it. You'll do it. Daylight, they stole the US elections. Daylight, day, daylight, in front of everybody's eyes. They don't care anymore. They, they do it like Venezuela. The most prestigious nation on earth brought down to Venezuela state. Same thing that's happening to South Africa. You know, Venezuela was the richest country in the South, uh, 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 in South America. Was the richest country, rich in oil. Until all these bloody exons came and these economic hitmen came. Now Venezuela is where? It's on the bottom of the bottom. South Africa is heading there. South Africa is heading there. A president telling you that he from the from the recommendation of an organization the World Health Organization who started the World Health Organization who started the World Health Organization 
Do you know anything about the Council for, for Foreign Relations? No government started those institutions. But they have, no, they have power and influence over governments. Why is the church doing We welcome with open arms. These false teachers, false prophets that you should be killing, you should be stoning to death. Void of the Spirit. Void of the Spirit. I want to read you chapter 10, verse 25. Dear Jesus, the closer we are to the return of Christ, the more important gatherings are. And, and that's what you will see happening. See what you will see happening? The closer the day comes, the more apostasy and the more departing from the faith increases. The Spirit expressly says that in the last days, many will depart from the faith. A, 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 a departing from the faith is recognizable by the kind of doctrines that become prevalent. Jesus says, you know, I hate the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. Chapter 25, 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our, of our faith or hope without wavering. For he who is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love. And verse 25. Verse 25, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that encourage and warn each other about what? Church meetings. Encourage and exhort each other about what? Church meetings. See, the most important place to be Nearing the return of Christ is not at the mall. It's not at the restaurant. It's not in the field. It's in the ark. It says, warn and admonish, encourage each other as you see the day approaching. My brother, you see the day of Christ is coming close. Go to church. Come to church. 
Let's not talk about sinners. Let me read another translation. Dear Lord, Hebrews ten twenty five. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that great day. We read to the Amplified. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ approach return. You see it? You see it? In Christian law, let me tell you this, in Christian law, in Christian law, the place where Christ, where his spirit has placed the church, the church is at the height because everything he will do on earth he will do through his church and through the church everything everything if you read Ephesians chapter 1 you will understand it he's the head we are the body he functions through us knowing this how much, should, how much more should we strive to understand the Spirit, to understand how He works, to come under His leadership, under His direction. Because my brothers and my sisters, we are at war. We are at war. Enemies all over. And our only way out and our only way to victory is cooperation with the Spirit. The day we learn to cooperate with the Spirit is a day our lives will be filled with testimonies of victory. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is vulnerable. The church is weak. Remember, I said to you, the church is not about the logistics or the number. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. The church is where Jesus' presence is. And cooperation with the Spirit is vital. Is vital. I know this proposes a new or another kind of living, but this is it. This is it. It is, is the only the, is the only kind of living that can guarantee you a pass in the eternity of eternities. 
as many as are led by the Spirit. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. They are the sons of God. And creation, they've been singing it, preaching it, is waiting for. Listen, ain't no creation going to see the manifestation of the sons of God until we learn how to how you gonna govern unless you are governed. How are you gonna learn to govern, to exercise authority if you do not understand governorship and authority? A Christian strength, a Christian's power, a Christian's value. A Christian's glory and beauty is in him or her learning to submit themselves under the Spirit's governorship. You learn that you are made for life. You are made for life. Because life is much more than having material things. Life is, life, listen, life, life, life. Life is spiritual. First and foremost, it is spiritual. And you must learn to navigate it successfully spiritually if you're going to really live it to the full. And the Holy Ghost is your aid. If you cannot, you see, I, I say this, I say this, and I say this all the time. Many Christians shouldn't be Christians. This thing is not a game. It's not a playground. Christianity is not a playground. In Christianity, we have lost all power to choose and decide for ourselves. Once you say, Jesus is my Lord, what are you saying? What are, tell me, what are you saying? That means you have relegated all power to choose. He chooses for you. What is good for you? What is right for you? He, you, don't, you don't have a right to choose anymore. That's why I said many Christians should not be Christians because they are not ready to be ruled. <laughs> Do you know the, the next, the, the closest ruler after Jesus and the Spirit is the fivefold? Do you? Acts chapter 20. I'll just teach you the Bible. Amen. Acts chapter 20. And then we're done. Okay, no, we're not done, done, but we five to, to being done. <laughs> Amen. Act X twenty. Are you there? Chapter I mean chapter twenty. Too many Bible versions. What the Act twenty verse. 
But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. Imagine. Imagine. The ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. Not from Papa Joe. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of... I'm like Paul, I'm innocent. Of your blood, I'm innocent. Because, here's why he's innocent. Because I have not shunned to declare to you the what? The half, the fragmented... The whole council of I have not shunned. I have not. So my you, you know the story. Therefore, verse 28, that's where my focus is. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. He's talking to the elders, right? And to all the among So, look at the, 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 the strata, the structure. Here's the chief shepherd, right? Jesus. Right? Jesus sends the spirit. When the spirits come, he looks around. He can't act all by himself. He looks for what? For man. Right? He looks for man, takes men, anoints them, empowers them, and then he says to them, you represent me in my stead oversee the flock so who's really overseeing the flock the spirit the man is just there as a what as an ambassador but notice what he says he says the spirit makes men oversee us you see that the spirit makes men over so like now like now in this church i am your overseer on whose account the spirit so who's who's real if if you follow my instruction whose instruction really are you following ah is that so that's why it tells them hey be watchful and also careful right of among which the holy spirit has made you over see us so everything the holy spirit is to you, to a certain extent, that overseer is to you. Stranger, is, if the spirit is your governor, the woman or man of God is your governor. If the spirit is your ruler, the woman or man of God is your ruler. If the spirit is your shepherd, the woman or woman of God whom the spirit has placed as overseer is your shepherd. That's how spiritual things. So you can decide for yourself. Do you realize it? You you can't. Oh my 
Once you decide for yourself, you are exempted from the rulership of the spirit. So you may be there, but the spirit is like, all right. All right, see, have your way. Because he doesn't force. He's not oppressive. The Holy Ghost is not oppressive. But he leave you. You'll be oppressed. He's not oppressive, but he let you be oppressed. He'll leave you. You understand that? I'll show you now another scripture. So he says, has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. So you must shepherd them in a specific direction. Not the direction that you as a man of God wants, but the, the direction of who? Of the spirit. And the direction of the spirit in shepherding the church is always to attain the perfection and the stature of Jesus Christ. And the knowledge of the Son of God. Which purchased with his own blood. Because I know this. That after my departure, savage wolves. Do you see, the, see why you must belong to a church? Outside are savage wolves. Sa savage <laughs> savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock Hebrews 13 that's why I say some people shouldn't be what needs to be Christians that Jesus it would have been better for him not to have been born talking about Judas. Yeah, it would have been better for you not to have become a Christian. There's a yoke here in Christianity. Are you listening to me? There's a yoke. There's a... There's a... <laughs> yeah, Hebrews. Hebrews 13. You read it. Oh, verse 17. Okay, let's 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 read up upward in verse um, Yeah, verse 17 is fine. You there? Yeah, for 17, let's read. Obey those who? Who? Who do what? What is the responsibility of a, a ruler? To? To do what? Who call? Rulers do what? They rule by giving? Yes. But a much stronger one? Commands. Right? Uh, who has amplified? I don't know. You don't have. It's fine. Yeah. How, how many of you may have more than one version of the Bible? How many of you have more than three translations of the Bible? How many of you have more than four? How many have more than five? How many have more than six? If you have less than one, you are in trouble. All right? 
if you have more than less than one you're in trouble if you have more than one more than i mean one that means two then usaka <sighs> all right you should have at least between 6 and 7 just to be safe amen jesus are studying search i research the scriptures so i get through now searching ya how ever verse 17 obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them recognizing their authority over you for they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual warfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you let them do this with joy and not with groans of grief for this will be of no benefit to you okay amplified bit a bit not wrong somewhere but what can we say obey your spiritual leaders and be willing to do what they say for their work is to watch over your souls and god will judge them on how well they do this give them no reason give them reason to report joyfully about you to the lord and not with sorrow for then you will suffer for it so that means if 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 one who leads over you goes to the lord and says lord christmas chris <laughs> the moment the moment the moment that thing goes that side goes <laughs> you must watch chris you must begin to carefully carefully watch chris because once that happens you see it's how spiritual things work let me read another translation you like this one obey your spiritual leaders recognize their authority for they keep watch over your soul without resting since they will have to give an account to god for their work so it will be it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden why did i say this listen if you can't treat your leaders right you won't be able to treat the holy spirit right it's impossible you can't you can't i mean imagine i give you a phone right you take the phone smash it on the ground what does that do to me does do i break like the phone would i break like a phone no but what have you done i have given you a gift and you did what Christians must not think it will fare well with them for abusing ministers of God. I know there are ministers which are not ministers that are abusing Christians. But there are Christians that are abusing men of God. They are abusing the spirit gift to them. It will not fare well with them. You see sometimes we suffer not because of the devil we suffer because of how we treat our leaders and the same you see the way you treat your leader is a reflection of the value you have for the spirit leaders are gifts from the spirit to you they have an account to give to god but you will pay for how you treat them you will pay 
You may pay with your life. You may pay with your finances. You may pay with your health. Or you may pay with the stability of your family. You will pay, but you will pay. You will pay. A, co- a curse causeless does not happen. Does not come. Every curse, every trouble, every suffering, every affliction has an origin. That's what I'm trying to say. And most of the pains in the lives of God's people come from that place. You know what Jesus did to Paul, right? Jesus said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Imagine how Jesus, how Jesus, how sensitive and how protective he is about his his church. He says, if you persecute my church, you are doing it to me. Imagine his ministers, his servants. You see, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we must also be very weary how we relate, how we deal with those whom God has given over us. Many, I'm telling you, men, and in saying this, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying you, Christians in general, all over the world. Don't abuse pastors. Don't, not just pastors, don't abuse God's servants. Let me put it that way. You will suffer. You will, God will not hold you guiltless. It's impossible. That thing will stay with you the rest of your life. Pastors are gifts. And you don't abuse gifts. You don't abuse gifts. So we can't relate to the Holy Spirit if we cannot properly relate to the ones the Spirit has given us. There is a way. Jesus says, if you have done this to me, if you have done this to this one, if you receive him, you receive me. If you receive me, you receive my Father. There is a direct trail of relation that takes place there. The church. The church. The the church. The church and the spirit. There's a direct correlation. You see that? How are you going to hear what the spirit is saying? Like for instance, the Bible says in Acts chapter 18, while they were ministering to the Lord, the Spirit spake, right? And they separated unto me, Paul and Barnabas. How did the Spirit speak? Did they, was there an opening there? And they saw a mouth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How did the Spirit speak? There were prophets there. Man is the Spirit's agent. And he utilizes them to carry out his purposes in the earth. And it's for you to learn to recognize those agents that God sends into your life. Primarily through the form of the fivefold gifts and then through other forms that God stations you and positions the man and the woman 
to help you advance his cause. You understand? You see that? See that? You can see that? You understand how you understand the church, its significance, its role, the spirit's role in the church, your role in the church, the minister's role in the church. They all work together to fulfill one purpose. So when we say to know the spirit, we are not just talking about you feeling goosebumps there in your room. Uh, or you feeling, oh Lord God Almighty. No. We're talking about having a working relationship, a functional relationship. Functional relationship. You don't chill 24-7 with your wife in bed, just looking at each other, loving each other. Huh? You don't do that. You have to wake up. You have to set, You have to go to work. You have to take care of the children, take care of the house, clean, right? Does that person stop being your wife or husband just because you went to work? But do you have a relationship? Yeah, it's functional. That's what I'm talking about. A functional relationship with the spirit in the kingdom. In the kingdom. And how this, well, you see, once, once you make the conscious decision to pursue that work, the spirit. See, here's how God calls people. I'll end here. Here's how God calls people. He calls people differently, right? God called Moses, right? And Moses called Joshua. Right? God didn't call Joshua. He only called him when he was replacing him. But Moses chose Joshua, right? But in Moses calling Joshua, indirectly, there was what? There was preparation going, going on. Who, who was Joshua called? You know who was Joshua called? Yeah? Who was Joshua called? No, Joshua, not Yeshua. Who was he called? What was he known as? Who was he known as in Israel? Who's servant? Moses servant. Imagine that is Moses servant. Elisha, who was he? Elisha's. 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 And what happened with Elisha? What happened with Joshua? The anointing you serve, not sit under, is what blesses you. Many people don't know that. They sit under an anointing, nothing happens. Nah, think, about, think about those, those folks with Jesus. You know? Do you think all of them were, were blessed, were as blessed as the apostles? No. That's why they could leave. Like, hey, it's too hard. Why? They were not in servitude to Christ. So God called you through different ways and you must be sensitive enough or, you know, to hear, hey, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. This is, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Life only finds its truest form 
when we have yielded ourselves to the sway of the Spirit. Otherwise, you, it will, your life will never find its truest form. You'll always be shape-shifting. One moment you'll be in retail, the next moment you will be <laughs> in taxis, the next moment... <laughs> shape-shifting in life. Yeah? One moment you are this one's man, the next moment you are that's, that, that's one's uh, man. One moment you are this one's woman, the next time you are shape-shifting. Shape Your life has no form, no structure. By the time you get married, you are 18 guys' men, or 18 women's men. You shape-shifted. Took so long to find your form. Why? Unyielding to the Spirit. You followed. You follow the trends of this life, the trends of this world. Oh, fair like By the time the one must be there, you probably you you will not look like what he saw you. So he will go over you. Amen. See how we yield to the Spirit? It's how, that's how we yield to the Spirit. First, to our parents, right? And then we reach a certain age, and then we yield to the King. We reach a certain age, but what Trump we yield to? the overseers, the rulers in the church. Because that's ultimately where your life finds revolution. Can't really find revolution now in the family because it's messed up there. You know it's messed up there. There it's, it's messed up. We, we all know. And Satan did so intentionally. You see, so God gives you an auxiliary family. The real one, an auxiliary family from which your life can now find its form. There the spirit is. Yep. Yep. My family is my family. <laughs> it's fine. We don't argue that. Your family is your family. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. See how much God loves us? Authority makes men. Authority makes men. Authority makes you. It's power. It's power. It makes you. It forms you. Amen. And the most cleanest, the most realest is the one from the spirit. The one from the Bible. The one from the one from the not the one people make up. You know? Make up. You can see this man is making this thing up. The Bible. You fear the first place, the knowledge of the holy is in the is in the fear of the Lord. If you're going to, if God is going to give you understanding, if God is going to give you understanding, you don't develop understanding. Do you, you understand? You don't develop understanding. It's not something you develop. No, it's given to you. 
You, you, you get to a place in life, everything is confusing, Bible is confusing, then all of a sudden, you, oh my God, I understand. It's given. You don't develop it. Because it's, 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 an, it's an operational that takes place in the soul. When your soul can put one and one together, it's, but when it comes to the understanding of life and how things work in life, that must be given to you. And the knowledge of the holy is in the fear of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Learn something? Amen. Learn something? Amen. Amen. Uh, what's today's date? 13th. So from 17th, 18th, 19th, I said we'll be praying, right? Ne? 17th, 18th, 19th, we'll be, that's next week, ne? Next week, Sunday. Oh, from that, that Sunday, 